Welcome to Sports Arena and Extreme Rewind, your weekly look into the world of extreme as we look at ECW Hardcore TV from episode one all the way to 401. And as you can probably guess, we are still in 1997. You got myself a pawn. I'm joined, as always, by Jay. How are you doing, Jay? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. It's uh, going to be interesting to, to wander as we are today. Go a little bit familiar, but a little bit something different. Yeah. Um, yeah, be good. Yeah, so we'll be looking at um, episodes 112, 113, and 114 of ECW Hardcore TV, which is from May 1997. But as you mentioned last week... 212, there... 213, and 214. That's what I said. What did I say? One. One. I thought I thought we'd suddenly gone back and we're we were back, back I into... It. I want to start again, in case we missed Let's something. Let's start again. Go! In case we missed something. Yeah, 212. Apologies. Yeah, but as you mentioned last week, um, ECW did a fair... I mean, WCW, another nightmare, <laughs> did a fairly ECW-heavy show, um, which was held at the Spectrum in Philadelphia. So... Yeah. We... we, we... Didn't realise when when I kind of referenced this and looked in and came through and, and stumbled on this show, um, and was referencing on how much ECW alumni there was on it. I didn't realise that it was um, a Philadelphia show, and we were talking um, uh, before about how it's really interesting because WCW claimed that they didn't really pay much attention to ECW, but here you have a very ECW laden show in ECW yep. territory in front of, as you pointed out, ECW fans, but we'll get there. Um, so, yeah, it's, it is a very, it's a very interesting show to, um, to, to look at, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth going back and look. I'm not going to lie, I didn't make notes for this show, even though I did watch the show. No. Um, and it's, it's, there's points where it's brilliant and there's points where it's really difficult. Yeah. Hundred percent. I mean, I kind of, um, I felt like for the massive roster they had, they they kind of like really held back who was on the show. Yeah, you, you kind of had like your Hogan's, your Machos, and you know Halls and all this, but you just no one was really. It wasn't a super super sort of heavy show. Um, do you have the? card in front of you i'm sure i find it quickly um i can find it because i did not do the card i normally do notes but i sort of got into the first match and thought i just don't want to do notes for this so i've had an unprepared nightmare i know it started off with the nwo coming to the ring oh yeah hold on uh, 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 uh. Got him. Yes. So the dark match on this yep. was um, uh, Ice Train and Joe Gomez versus The Extreme, which was Ace Darling and Devin Storm. Nice. Um, followed by a dark match of Medusa versus Luna Vachon, who we'll hear about later. And then uh, the opening segment we had was the uh, confusion, the, the tension between... Hollywood Hogan and Kevin Nash and whether uh, at this stage uh, uh, NWO actually meant for life. It's weird they they teased it for a long, long time, didn't they? Yeah, and and it's funny because this is still in the, the, the build and the tease for Sting. So, uh, that, that is really bizarre that You've you've already got kind of the tension. Well, yeah, especially as you think, well, it's not till sort of late Goldberg that I'm guessing. Well, Goldbergish sort of leads to Wolfpack, I guess, because I don't know. I, I want to say ninety eight. Yeah, ninety eight feels right. It's just um, I don't know. It'd almost be I know I've completely set myself up, but it'd be interesting to go back and look at almost just NWO week to week, the segments, and actually see what was happening with it. No, because they highlight... No, no, I'm not. Don't worry. <laughs> We've still got a lot of ECWs to do. But do you know what I mean, though? Because they highlight key moments like Ray getting thrown and 
other bits, yeah. but a lot of it is just like, wow. There was, so there was some, some, there was some guff in there, wasn't there? There was some, some real kind of filler and. Some people had a pretty sweet gig. So I don't understand why, on this one, um, NWO Sting's still a thing. Because yeah. at this one, we've already identified that Sting is Sting, and that this is a pretend Sting. So you're not fooling anyone. No one believes it. Everyone knows that the NWO Sting isn't the real Sting. So why is the NWO Sting still a character? Yeah, he goes off to um, have a successful run in Japan, doesn't he? Yeah, because Sting never really got out there much. So NWO Japan had NWO Sting as a fairly permanent member. Yeah, Jeff Farmer. So, so fair place for the guy. Farmer. But um, yeah, so we had the NWO segment and the opening match was, was it Barbarian? So do you know one of um, what Jeff, Jeff Farmer, the NWO Sting, started his career in, as, in one of his earlier gimmicks? Smoky Mountain Wrestling in 1993. Oh. Uh, sorry, in Smoky Mountain Wrestling in 1991. Um, yeah. His gimmick... Was a farmer. Was the Black Scorpion. Oh, really? Well, he's closely attached, wasn't it? I didn't even know. Mm. That's crazy, isn't it? Bizarre. I think we should do a show where we look back at Jeff... No, right. Um... <laughs> Yeah, was it was the opening match Barbarian Benoit? It was. Yeah, you got to help me with this. I don't have any results in front of me. Uh, so, so Benoit won in, in two minutes and 35. Um, Barbarian went for a headbutt and missed. Benoit then went for a headbutt, headbutt and, hit. and hit. Then the rest came out, including... And then um, the Dungeons of Doom ran out because he's feuding with Kevin Sullivan over woman. That feels yeah. like it's going to go well. Um. <laughs> Uh, dark Side of the Ring. Find it, watch it. It's scary. Um, and um, yeah, so my, my big takeaway from this that I got confused with was um, uh, Conan was part of Dungeon of the Doom. Yeah, he that was. That made he no was... sense to me in, in various ways. Um, he came in with Dungeon of, Doom, Dungeon of Doom. I guess he was a lot more flamboyant when he came in. So I don't know if they thought that was a, a good way, but they were just adding loads of um, members. But yeah, no, he was in it, and obviously uh, Hugh Morris also crashed in ECW. Yeah, um, obviously Kevin Sullivan. Uh, I think there's another ECW alumni. It might be it wasn't Conan. It might be Conan. Conan was in but there. Barbarian it, was in there. Barbarian's not been in. Benoit, obviously. Yeah, it's a very Woman, easy. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I've always, always been a sucker for Barbarian. It's always been a guilty pleasure of mine. I think he's um, always thought he's pretty decent. He's always just sort of plodding along from like federation to federation. Yeah, just but solid. Yeah, decent. Tough right, dude. Um, yeah. Second match. Malenko versus Hector Guerrero. Yeah, I got confused. It wasn't Hector Guerrero that was in um. I don't think he was in ECW. It was another Guerrero, wasn't it? I don't know. I thought Hector Guerrero popped in. Was it Hector before Eddie? Let me find out for you. Because I know that Hector was um <laughs> manager of LAX. <laughs> it was a big Shavo Guerrero for the Cruiserweight title. So there's loads of excitement about Hector Guerrero. But I can't remember... Um... Yeah. It was the gobbledygooker. I forgot that. It was the gobbledygooker. I feel I should have remembered that. Yeah. That was his big, um, well, until he won the cruiserweight <laughs> title. They did win the cruiserweight title. That was Shavo Guerrero Sr., wasn't it? He was an NW. I'm a nightmare of Hector Guerrero. Hector Guerrero, he was in TNA, became their announcer and took over LAX awkwardly when Conan left. But, um, yeah. Uh, unsuccessfully challenged to Cold Scorpio for the ECW Television Championship at Return of the Funker in 1995. I was in there. Should have stuck with my original guns. I thought he was there. 
All right, so yeah, Dima Lincoln beat Hector Guerrero, then had Rey Mysterio Jr. versus Juventud Guerrero. Um, this was a decent match. Enjoyed this match. How long do you think that match went for? What, Mysterio Juventud? Yep. About three minutes, wasn't it? Three minutes, 24. Yeah, wasn't it? Up long? till now, that's the longest match on the show. Which, again, is a difference in it when you think you can have FBI versus Chris J for 45 minutes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we had this, and this is when I noticed a certain fan sitting in the second row, which is, um, yeah, obviously ECW hack guy and um, two other guys that tend to sit with him were sort of all there in the second row, which has obviously led us to look into where this event was actually being held. Because, mm. like I said, we stated it was a pretty ECW heavy show and it just seemed crazy that he was there. But obviously it all made sense. He'd gone to see some of his friends. All the alumni. Um, so, yeah, Ray won that. We then had TV championship match, Ultimo Dragon versus Lane. Lane Carlson. Who went on to be Lenny Lane? Oh, yeah, he's Lenny Lane. Oh, he's looking. Um, yeah, before he was with Lodi and did his cheap Jericho ripoff. There he was. But the way they're talking about him, he wasn't any form of signed talent. So I don't know if he was no. sort of a power planting or something at the moment. But um, yes, yeah, definitely Lenny Lane, and um, a yeah, very early Nitro for him. Um, Six beat Prince Akea. I was excited yep. to see Six. His, yeah. um, his WCW run wasn't long, but I enjoyed... I think it was massive for his character. It gave him a lot of freedom to actually become attitude a lot more than he, what he was being. But um, Absolutely. I mean, you can see the growth in him um, through. So, yeah. Yeah, he just he just seemed to really embrace being, you know, surrounded by the sort of the top guys. He had that sort of swagger about him. Um, not the best match in the world, but it was good to see six and six one. Now the next match is probably, special. It was special. Um, high voltage uh, battling the public enemy in a street fight, which I think is pretty much a table match, wasn't it? Yeah, seemed to be. Which yeah. which played to Public Enemy perfectly. I mean, they came out second. They came out with trash cans. The crowd were doing the cabbage patch. I thought that was really weird because the, when we've checked in on Public Enemy before, they were a non-event, just dead. Yeah. So the fact that the the crowd were, were were with them, I thought was strange. And then you know, going back and finding out about it being um, Philadelphia, makes sense. Yeah, I mean the crowd um, weren't just with them. These they came out like mega stars. I yeah. just, I've, it's what I was you looking for. Put the belts in them. These guys are over, over in Philly, big time. Um, so they picked up the win, which was good for them. And I mean, obviously, so high voltage look very much like um, pit bulls. Yeah, you know, very big, very muscly. Um, you know, the singlets, very, very, very much like that um and uh kenny chaos the 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 dad of one of your favorite wrestlers no she's dead no oh. well, it's kid chaos isn't it so yeah i suppose he was great a little he shining was... little shining light from an xpw somewhere we won't get <laughs> we, we won't get there <laughs> maybe just the franchise's debut <laughs> uh, that was good. Um, yeah, so then had Giant versus another ECW alumni, 911, known as Big Al here. Wasn't so successful for Big Al as he was pretty much just dismantled, slammed, choke slammed. They'd love the Giant doing the choke slam sign, signaling to the crowd, going, You want it? You want it? And then, um, yeah, he just disposed of. Ow, and Hat Guy. I, I, after this, I started to go off Hat Guy's reactions. And he seems to be a little bit disappointed that 911 got smashed like that. He still believed. Still real to him. Who who beat 911 faster, the Giant or Taz? Oh, I think officially the Giant. So I don't think Taz was ever a proper match, was it? It's just sort of. Happened. No, maybe. 
chokeslam jumped up and then to- yeah. Um, that had DDP versus Conan. Again, DDP is another one of these. This audience, the most audience who embraced him at this time, he could have easily popped up in the ECW arena and been treated like a megastar. Yep. He was the people's champ for other reasons to The Rock. Jeff Jarrett and Mongo, all full team versus Harlem Heat. Uh, yeah, being referred to as the horseman. Yeah, that was Left rough. me cold. It's rough. Um, and, and then yeah. obviously Harlem Heat with uh, Sister Sherry, ECW alumni. Also true. And then main event, Lex Luger versus Kevin Nash. And I'll be honest, I didn't make it to the main event. Um, uh, so the main event finishes with a smiles, everyone gets involved. Um, uh, Giant comes out to make the save, gets beaten up. Um, Lex Luger's there to make the save. Uh, DDP's there to make the save. And then Sting comes out, hands out four bats three bats and his and uh, scares everyone off. Yeah. So usual WCW, NWO finish, to be honest. Yeah, there's no for this time, in it? Just, you know, nothing really resolved out of time, got to go. The, the of... big thing for me watching this, the big takeaway I had that I had not realised until watching this is Macho Man's bandana with the lightning bolts... Yeah. was designed to fit perfectly so the lightning bolts ran from his bandana into his glasses and down his glasses. They lined up perfectly. It's just the details, isn't it, sir? It is. I mean, just that. That that was enough for me. It's a Mattel Elite Figures dream. <laughs> just little details like that. So now we can dive to ECW. Uh, Let's 13, go back. Let's go back home. 13th of May, 1997, episode 212. Do not get it confused. We start off with footage of the Pitbulls versus Shane and Bam Bam. Um, Rude comes and takes Francine out. Um, the less spoke about that, the better. So uh, Rude takes Francine out by, by lifting her up almost to powerbomb her and carrying her out. Francine is wearing a dress. So she is falling out of this. And Rude, while carrying Francine out, seems to, because it's kind of blurred, um, bury his face into Francine's underwear. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the network blurred this. Yes. Because... Yes. I, yeah. Um, so, he, yeah, so, so Rick Rude is a sex offender on this. Because that was didn't seem to be consensual in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, it's rough, rough um, way to start it. Yeah, he, he's he's the face. He's the face in this. <sighs> yeah, uh, Joey Styles introduces new co-host Rick Rude. Promo by Rude just felt heavily scripted again, and yeah, yeah, it's all kind of innu- innuendo about you know eating at Francine's and blah, blah, blah. And again, it's, it's, it's just doesn't age well at all. No. Next. Next, uh, Joe Gertner says you expose Rick Rude to the truth. Yeah, next. Which is funny because surely we've just seen the fact that he's... Anyway, yeah, next. I, I, I can't believe that you've got the skeezy, sleazy heel, Joe Gertner, trying to be a heel... <laughs> And I'm yeah. rooting for him over Rick Rude because Rick Rude is the sexual predator who's not got a redeeming factor to it. It's just a rough segment. It's just, um, yeah. Another one. It's, it, it, this, is, this, is, this is how they decided to book Rick Rude. I just... I mean, like I said, it's not, like I said, it's not on him because... He hasn't decided to do this. He's going to be told, I'm, I'm assuming, what to do. But, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I put part of it on him in the sense of, you know, he he doesn't... He isn't a character that was designed to be a face. And I understand that. So he can't play face. He's doing heel Rick Rude, doing heel things, and he's meant to be a face with it. 
So there's partly, you know, surely he should have changed something here. Yeah, but he's not, he's not playing any form of Rick Rude. Rick Rude would have just sort of, you know, winked at Francine and constantly been there awkwardly, you know. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I don't remember the bit where... Um, he drove he, Jake the Snake's wife. He sexually assaulted Jake the Snake, yeah. It, it was more just like, I'm going to steal your girl. Same amount of time. Heads up. Let's fuck all you can do about it. Yeah. That was him. Um, photo highlights of Taz Zabu from Barely Legal again. We then get Lewis Piccoli versus Tommy Dreamer in a match that I actually really enjoyed. It was it was better than it had the rights to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt this is almost like the most motivated Tommy I'd seen in a little while. Yeah. He... Um, he was really going all guns blazing. I don't know if he had a bit of an injury before. I'm just making excuses for the man, but he was just, he really felt sort of like he was getting into this. Some great spots where Louis was like bleeding, his trousers ripped down and he was in his pants. And he sort of put on the guardrail and Dreamer launches off the side of the apron with a chair, smacking him. You know, things like that just absolutely uh, tremendous. Yeah. And, you know, so I was, I was critical last week of Louis coming out in exactly the same outfit you can see in this one that it's louis mocking tommy dreamer yeah and you can see that it's tommy dreamer taking offense to that and therefore physically ripping the clothes off of him um in in protest yeah and it's a good way to edge louis into a slightly different sort of gear as well yeah, he's a, he's a, it's funny because he's kind of coming out of um, that workhorse space um, and going better into, you know, that, that kind of um, blood and guts match space. Yeah, then, um, yeah, Dreamer picked up the win. And then after the match, uh, Spicaroli manages to get the upper hand and hit the Piscoli driver, which is the DVD on uh, Bueller after doing the yeah. two-sweet hand signal, which led to all kinds of carnage. We then had yep. um, Joey and Rude basically talking, and Rude was saying that Louis went too far, which I thought was a bit cheap. <laughs> uh, we then went to the Rude cam, Elf Tommy Dream attending to Bueller made a rare... Rare Terry Funk sighting. That's your world champ. This is a return to TV, everyone. Yep. There he is. Promo by Joe Gertner again. Um, we then had main event time. We had um, a dream partner match. Don't see these very often. <laughs> um, Chris- Once in a lifetime. <laughs> Chris Candido versus Rob Van Dam with the dream partners of Taz with Chris Candido and Sabu with Rob Van Dam. The story of the match is pretty much Candido won't really tag Taz in for the majority of the match. But in the end, Taz kind of tags himself in. Um, Candido tried to use a chain at one point and Taz stopped him because his hands are his weapons. Um, Taz nearly gets to suplex Bill Alfonso, but Sabu does an amazing launch across the ring to stop him. Yep. And Candido ends up picking up a win with a lovely German, I thought. It was, yeah. Um, Decent match. Yeah, no, I I, I enjoyed it. I I thought it was... um... Uh, I, again, I thought it was a better match than it probably... Well, no, that's, it's unfair to say it was a better match than it in right to be because it was four good workers in there. I, I, I struggle still with Candido and Taz and Candido and RVD and this storyline. You kind of feel like there's a set-up coming. That's the way I take from it. It feels like it's coming. You just... You know, is he scooping him in as a fake friend here or using him to do his bidding? Mm. Yeah, I, it just the, the, there seems to it's still that inconsistency of, of 
the triple threatness of it. Well, you'd think that Bam Bam would be there, wouldn't you? Really? Yeah. So or the franchise, or yeah, yeah, any one of his the new stable. That's just the triple threat, and it? it's never seen on TV together. It's vintage triple threat. Um, yeah, we just passed the anniversary of Candido's passing. I know. I saw that. That was um, yeah, quite sobering. Twenty-one yeah. years, I think it was. It's um, it's been longer than you think. I don't know if it's twenty. Was it twenty-one years? It can't be. I think it was twenty-one. No, it's not twenty-one years. It was about two thousand and three or something. Because in TNA, two thousand and five. There you go. But yeah, still, fifteen years. Still, fifteen years. Still though, no, um, yeah. Yeah, you just don't realise, do you? But absolutely loving watching his work. Yeah, he's been um, one of the highlights for me the last couple of weeks. His promos, and absolutely. So, legacy lives on. Um, after the match, RVD goes crazy, basically talking about losing, says he doesn't belong, and working in front of twelve hundred drunk idiots, <laughs> and um, continually talks about <laughs> going to do Monday nights, which I think is great. Yeah, it, it, I, I still very much enjoy it. And, um, well, we'll save that. But, yeah, I very much enjoy it. Yeah, 100%. Um, jumping into next week is the 20th of May, 1997, episode 213. We dive straight with highlights of... Shane Douglas versus Chris Chetty. I feel like Shane's giving Chetty a lot in this match, but ends up picking up the win with the belly to belly. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're trying to kind of give Chetty the rub on things, aren't they? You can see that they had kind of big thoughts for him. Um, it starts off with uh, Shane Douglas, who's obviously got a bit of a bad knee in this match. He's taken a knock somewhere along the line. Uh, Irish whipping Chetty into the ropes and hitting an elbow. And he does that like four or five times one after the other, which I thought was a little bit lazy, um, but you know it was it was it was fine. It was fine. Mm, exactly. I mean, Shane was dominant enough set work. They announced the main event is another dream partner match. Few. Yeah. So, yeah, we then get Taz versus Spike Dudley. Um, Rude is actually obsessed with Francine. Yeah. Continue. Taz looked um, he looked amazing again. I mean, Spike put up a fair fight, so he got his stuff in. But I noticed they're sort of putting Taz with smaller guys at the moment, so yeah. he can launch them around and get a good sort of highlight reel going up. Yeah, and um, that they don't look like overly. You know, they're they're um, disguising his lack of height a little bit by putting him in with, with some of the, the, the smaller guys. Yeah. Um, he still looks like an absolute killer. Um, he does. You know, the entrance still works for me, even without Team Taz. Um, you know, the, the towel over the head doesn't feel hokey in any way, shape or form. Um, he just feels like an absolute killer. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously like edging towards sort of baby face or sort of shade of grey where he's not really anything, but you sort of like him more. Which, yeah, he's which... the he's, he's the anti-hero, the, the, the Austin style. Um, which works. I, mean, I don't know when we get the FTW championship. Um, not for a little while. That's when Shane's world's title. That's near Guilty as Charged, I think. I think it's around that. Guilty as Charged 99. I think that sort of happens. Um, yeah, but he picks up the win. Hits a couple of suplexes, Taz mission, and do shout at the camera, McMahon kiss my extreme ass. <laughs> or did he? Oh, I thought he said McMahon. Or was he did, yeah. Because uh, I think he was talking about RVD and and uh, telling him to go tell McMahon to kiss his extreme ass. Yeah. So again, it's cool. It's just at the moment we need the payoff because it just seems very. Very sort of strange, all this sort of going on. But I know 
I think I actually just, um, yeah, I think in two weeks we get the payoff. Just sort of remembered how it all works out. <laughs> um, more road going on about Francine. We then get various highlights from the first a Buffalo show. And this sort of annoyed me because all this did was show, like, look how amazing matches we've got here that no one's ever going to fucking see. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Tommy getting thrown down about three billion stairs. You had Bulls killing someone, Sandman's entrance, Pitbulls versus FBI, and um, Eliminators doing a double sort of total elimination. And he sort of looks at all this stuff and you just think, we're just sort of getting sort of random sort of bits. And you had loads yeah. of. It's, it's very Decent weird. stuff in the, in, the, in the can, yeah. Just seems very weird. But we might get it in about two months, though. You don't know. <laughs> Um, then we had an extremely weird, weird segment. Promos from loads of wrestlers talking about RVD going to the WWF, brackets E. Um, so Rick Rude sort of goes on about it, which I find strange because he goes there shortly hereafter. Yep. Raven was the most fascinating, I found. <laughs> Because obviously time scales, and we'll get into it later on, Raven has about two weeks, three weeks left at this point before he goes to WCW. And his word in here and his mannerisms, the way he sort of looks at the, um, the camera, in hindsight, told a much bigger story than you would yeah. have realized at the time. There's a smirk on his face as he talks about him leaving. And you don't realise, but, you know, we're, we're weeks away from him turning up in WCW. Um, and not alone. Um, so, yeah, it was um, really interesting to listen to him and then just watch the smirk on his face as he's talking about leaving. Yeah, like I said, it was, it was just really... Just, oh, well, you want to take all this and go to Mondays and make all those millions? Why do you want to shame do that? Shame on you. Yeah, shame on you for doing that. It was very, um, yeah, I liked it. And then we had another one that annoyed me from our world champion, Terry Funk. First promo since becoming the world champion. But he doesn't want to talk about the title. No. It's only been six Gosh, fucking damn, years. this means so much to me, you will never know. Anyway... <laughs> It's only been six fucking weeks. Let's talk about RVD <laughs> going to the WWE instead. <sighs> now, uh, Terry Funk has a difficult point here because he's trying to do the whole kind of shame on you thing. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know, has to reference the fact that he's worked everywhere. And, uh, you know, recently, one of his ECW runs left when, as we talked about last week, yep. he started off with Arn Anderson to go to WCW to be one of his, his army. Um, so he, he does this a lot. And he's, he, you know, that's what he's done in his career. Um, and, you know, as, as they tell all the stories of um, uh, something to wrestle with, the British Picture podcast, you know, I've, I've, I've got to go home. My horse is sick. Um, you know, that's, that's what he does. So, he, he's got this kind of weird kind of like, oh, shame on you kind of thing, but really isn't. And then the bit that made me laugh is he said about, you know, going up there and they'll give you a silly name and put you in a mask. And his next run in WWE, isn't that Chainsaw Charlie? Yeah. So, yeah, just, just very bizarre. Unless he was doing Chainsaw chain- No, it wasn't around this point, was it? No, it wouldn't have been. It must be a little bit later because be. six is still in WCW, which yes. means the new yes. DX hasn't formed yet, which means the Outlaws aren't the Outlaws yet. Oh, great way of working it out. Yeah, it was either that or Google. And I thought that was no, easier great. for some reason. No, it's very good. Uh, yes, yeah, so we get that. Um, and another one which I found funny, we then got Todd Gordon pipes up at the end. This this must be around the time that Todd Gordon's doing the tapping up thing. So I think October it comes to a head, so it's possibly started, which is why we're seeing Raven and a Raven few others and a few others start to move. Uh, yeah, so it's all like you kind of sit there and there's 
this segment, which was too long and dragging, there's so many sort of secret meanings and things to look back on. Like you said, that even the Chainsaw Charlie thing, I sort of looked over, but you kind of look back and you think that's quite funny. But yeah, the Raven stuff, all of it, most of the people they're talking to all just end up leaving or getting involved with things very shortly, which I thought was funny. Shane Douglas declaring that WWF stands for We Want Franchise, but they can't have him. And again, that just made me kind of smile in the sense that he never managed to get back there. Yeah, they didn't want the franchise. They rebooked you as a teacher. Yeah, and then after that, with um, you know the, the the radicals and all the rest of it. Yeah. Oh, it could have been. What could have been? Um, we then get Dream Partner uh, tag team match. Uh, Tommy Dreamer picks Terry Funk. Raven picks Stevie Richard. Note that Raven came out with Chastity here. Yep. Yep. Who sort of goes up to WCW in the end? Um, to be his sister and Hack's girlfriend? Um, Something like that, yeah. Uh, but, you know, to, to your point about, you know, Terry Funk being quite annoying about things. Yeah. Terry Funk's first match on TV since winning the championship. <laughs> yeah, Where's the belt, Terry? This is this is in my notes. The chat returns, talks about RVD rather than the belt, comes out about the fucking belt, and obviously the finish of the match as well. But, um, I mean, this is like, love ECW, but what the fuck are you thinking? Like, your whole story was this legend trying to do one more run. Yeah. And how have you, like, dropped the ball on this story so massively? It's beyond me. I mean, you might as well not even have a heavyweight champion at the moment. This is unreal. It's it's like jaw-dropping. You sort of paint this picture of this great sort of barely legal moment, which was this psychotic moment, Terry Funk winning the title, the first ever pay-per-view, you know, our way, our way, you know, power cuts. It's huge. But this is the sixth week after your first ever pay-per-view. This is the first time we have seen your heavyweight champion who chooses not to talk about his iconic historic title win at the first ever pay-per-view instead talks about RVD fucking off to another company and then once he does appear in the match he's not even wearing the heavyweight title yep it's just like and for no real reason yeah it's a fine match to bring him back in if that's why you want to do it, because you're helping out Tommy, who helps him out. There's a Absolutely, story. dream There's... dream partner uh, as he was last time. Yes. Yeah, he's you know not medically cleared maybe for a couple of weeks after it. There was ways to do it to not make it so. Just do a promo at the ranch with the belt. Just do a promo while you're staring at the belt and you just hear him talking without even physically seeing him. But it's just like the fuck. It just had me like banging my head against the wall, thinking, "What are you doing?" Yeah, yeah. Um, the match itself, not a lot wrong with it. Was a fun match. One of my favourite bits is Stevie looked like he had Funk beat. Raven sort of shouts out, "Going, what the fuck are you doing? You're not going to beat him with that move. Tag me in." Probably ran in and started doing the same. Same splitting toe hold, trying to beat him with it, which I just thought was just like classic Raven. I thought it was hilarious. Um, Stevie and Raven had a bit of a shoving match after that. Dreamer looked like he finally had Raven beat, but the ref was down. Louis runs in, um, gets involved. Funk goes after Louis, and Stevie ends up pinning Funk. Does pin the champ. Yeah, which is which is like fine because we said obviously, you know, Stevie's getting positioned at this point to potentially be the man. But they are sort of weirdly pushing him away from 
the BWO. Which brings us very nicely to the next episode. Well, yeah. Um, so we're now the 27th of May, 1997, episode 214. Highlights of Taz choking out opponents after a double suplex, which looked pretty gnarly. Yep. Grabs the mic and says he's the baddest motherfucker in wrestling. Probably would agree. Yeah, and well, that's that's the other side of the coin. I mean, that's a great way to start. If you've never seen ECW before, you dip in. Like, yes. That's a great way to start it. I just think there should be, you know, your world champion should have a presence. And I've got no problem with with him being in the main event. I think that's the right place for your world champion. Um, I just think he should be your world champion. I, I just, I don't know. I just feel like the episode afterwards, there should have been some sort of a promo. Didn't necessarily have to be in the ring or anything. There should just been something. I think just to get to his point and him not to really acknowledge the significance of that sort of title win, yeah. considering the build and the focus of him determined to get this title win. It's just very like weird storytelling from my point. I agree. Yeah. Um, they talk about RBD leaving again. Rude mentions that Sabu might not be happy with him. And I thought, was this the same Sabu that fucked off for Japan and left ECW behind and no show and got fired? Um, and, and where is he at the moment? In Japan. They're in eh? Japan. <laughs> so I thought, I don't know if he's going to be that disappointed. He's probably... I mean, you know, um, might be a bit disappointed that his, his new tag team partner's leaving, but I don't think he's going to hold that much of a grudge. Yeah, I'm sure he'll get over it. Um, they then talk about the dream partner match from last week, and they were shocked that Raven picked Stevie. Again, I wasn't really this shocked. I mean, if you listen to Raven's promo about like four weeks ago, he basically said, he wanted to be in a tag team with Stevie to take yes. out Terry Funk and <laughs> Tommy Dreamer. He pretty much told you, given the opportunity, he was going to team with this guy. I mean, this might not have even been a dream partner match. It Quote your just... brother forevermore. Yes. <laughs> so I thought it was, it was there. The signs were there. Given the opportunity for this particular situation, he might pick Stevie. But... Um, yeah, and, and for me, the, the, the story is, you know, the shock is that Stevie came out and answered the call. Exactly. That's the story. It should be not that Raven sort of picked him after everything. They like said that Stevie actually came out to help Raven, despite everything. Um, speaking of being get a promo by Stevie, very, very serious, relaxed promo. Talked about when he was younger, seeing the Midnight Express win titles, and that's when he knew he wanted to be a wrestler. He did the quote about someone saying to him, you're not going to make it, brother, again. Yeah. Felt Hogan-esque, didn't it? Yeah, again. I mean, I don't know where he was trained or if it's someone else, but it just felt very, they said Hogan-esque. Uh, what did you think of Serious Stevie? Uh, I quite liked it. Um, this is Serious Stevie with his glasses on and his hair tied back, so you know he's being serious. Yep. Um uh, yeah, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was a good, um, uh, a good promo. I thought it was a good, um, serious thing. I thought it was, um, uh, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was a good promo. Um, he, he made it mean something. Yeah, massively. I mean, um, I thought it was decent. It was decent. It was a, it was a good stretch. Again, it's just, it's just a shame that um, I'm not sure how soon after Raven he leaves, but it Barry. just. So, so I've just... looked ahead to find out when, if if we're going to watch Raven's introduction into WCW, I flicked ahead to find out how, where we would go for it, um, and spoilers. Uh, for a 20-odd-year-old thing that happened, um, leaving one company that's dead to another company that's dead. Um, 
but spoilers all the same. Um, Raven turns up in the crowd. Mike Tanay tries to to in, uh, interview him, gets silence. The next week, Raven turns up in the crowd. Mike Tanay tries to interview him, and Stevie Richards appears to conduct the try to try and conduct the interview. Oh, so, so he's like he's, like he's gone. Yeah, let they're both gone. Isn't and that- they reference, you know, you've been champions everywhere. And, well, you were tag team champions with him. Why don't you try and talk to him? Oh, wow. That is crazy. I am interested. Um, I want to see what happens to, like, Meanie and stuff. Yeah. Because I'm sort of, I know, obviously, he stays with Nova and stuff. But I, I, I struggle to think of a, a Meanie world that's stevie yeah, it feels weird, doesn't it? Yeah, because I guess that I don't know. I obviously we'll get there, but it, it's kind of like hard to reference like some of the ECW things, like you know, because like you said, it was twenty years ago. We know that Raven's going. We know that Stevie's going. We know it's only a matter of time before Saturn goes. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to almost sort of like kayfabe yourself, like you don't know the next thing around the corner. But I think as a show, I think it's going to be fascinating. Like the Eliminators, the tag team champions, they're like one of the hottest things. That's 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 a big thing to lose. Out of all yeah. of them, maybe the yeah. biggest. Yeah. When the Eliminators are heavily protected at the moment. Raven is almost a character that since the pay-per-view, he's, he's lost the belt and now he's just, they're using him. He's floundering, plodding along, but he's not really super pushed. He's just involved enough to get you money's worth at the moment. Yeah. Stevie is getting positioned to be the man to beat the world heavyweight champion. He's just beaten the world heavyweight champion. Yeah, which is odd when you know he's about to to go. Yeah, unless they didn't. I might, might do a little bit of research and find out, unless they didn't know he was leaving. I don't know how the contracts worked in ECW, if they had contracts or it was just like rolling sort of handshake agreements type things. But, um, yeah, it just seems very weird that they're obviously like, hey, this guy could be the guy, he could be the future. Only joking, he's left at the same time. But, I mean, it's interesting because... It does feel, out of all that we've watched, it does feel like one of the biggest missed opportunities because it feels like he was hot and he was ready and he was there. And they just already know. When? I don't know. Maybe they knew it barely legal he was leaving. I don't know how it all works. Maybe there was a notice period. Maybe there was a contract was up in a couple of months. You know, I just, it's its all just very weird because we've seen people come and go and obviously the Malenko and Eddie's was a, was a tough one. They're too big, but they were just, I say just, but they were just like a solid sort of, you know, mid-card match that you could rely on. It wasn't, they weren't positioned in any other, they were your TV title feud and, and great matches, but they, you know, they're losing, this is, probably the biggest loss that we've seen since we've seen okay the so here's, here's the interesting one yeah um, during an ECW World Heavyweight Championship title match in May 1997 so we're about to watch it uh, the yeah. match they're building to Richard suffered a neck injury when Terry Funk slammed the metal guardrail onto his back and neck I knew it was a guardrail I just didn't know what match it was I, I thought, thought it was Sabu I thought it was Sabu I didn't realise it was Funk um, and announced his retirement from professional wrestling. He made his final appearance in ECW on May the 29th, 1997. So he retires from wrestling, which is why he can show up on WCW on the 13th of July with Raven, because he's not wrestling. However, he comes out of retirement in August 97, and in, on the 21st of August 97, wrestles Raven. Oh, wow. 
and then he's back in ECW for December 97. Oh, so he's back in ECW, same year. Yeah, handful of matches for ECW in December 97. Before turning up on Sunday Night Heat. That's 99, apparently. Is it? Fucking hell. Well, it's going to be a crazy year. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. They're so weird. Because, um, like I said, like the Raven story is a little more... But Stevie never really... It's up there with sort of the Mikey Whitbrick sort of vibe where I know suddenly one pay-per-view, Mikey Whitbrick suddenly debuts against Kidman, but then they don't really see a lot of him and he's back in ECW again. It's all a bit mm. crazy, but we'll get to that one, I guess. Um, right, so... So then we go to the, the BWO promo. Yeah, that was it. We didn't get the BWO. If you think you're leaving the BWO, then you've got another thing coming kind of thing. Yeah. Which was really weird because I don't, I didn't pick up that he was talking about leaving the BWO. No. I mean, he's wearing a BWO shirt. So I don't know where the, 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 the tensions come from. They're just planting stuff. I mean, it's almost like because he's not goofing as much, they're acting like he's going to leave the BWO. When, but uh, I mean, they're right; he does. But yeah, that's a different thing. Um, Dudley Boys versus Spike and Mikey Whipwreck. Fun match. Nice to see Dudley's against someone different. Must be said. Yep. Love the Eliminators. Love the Dudley's Eliminators. Love the Dudley's Eliminators. Gangsters. Every week kind of strips it back a bit. Yes. Going back, referencing again the Malenko-Guerrero thing. Outstanding match, but every week you kind of, you know, the match. And, um, but, you know, it was nice to see him. It was was good. Um, Yeah, it was fun to mix it up. Dudley boys win. After the match, Mikey smacks them both with chairs and basically all hell fucking kicks off, really. So, um, Balls Mahoney comes out swinging like a madman. Looks like he's about to kill Joel Gertner, but then Devon drags him out from under the ring and drags him off. Ball then grabs the mic and talks about fighting someone from the ECW locker room pulls a beer out and basically says, I've got this waiting for you. So the crowd know straight away he's talking about the Sandman, which I thought was a really cool way of doing it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, basically, it was there was one guy who he thought would be tough enough to fight him. Um, yeah. But to sweeten the deal, win against this. Yeah, which is like we said, like, again, it shows how well the Sandman's characters establish the fact that you can literally just bring out a can of Bud and you straight away know it's it's the Sandman. It's like so simple but great. Do you know what I mean? Like the light, if Sandman had disappeared and the lights could have gone out and you could have just like one can of beer or something in the middle of the ring and everyone would go mental because they mm. knew what it meant. It's that sort of cool level. But anyway, so Sandman comes out uh, back and forth until the Dudleys come out and get involved. Then Dreamer runs out. Then Louie runs out. So it's four on three. Um, then you get a beltless Terry again. Then Stevie, who cleans house. Then we have Stevie and Funk in the ring. And Stevie hits Funk with the Stevie kick. As the show goes off the air, they were heavily... So going by what you said about him retiring, maybe it was a thing. Maybe Stevie was getting positioned to be the maybe. man still. yeah. And you just sort of never know, maybe because and ends up not being the man. So Terry Funk gets caught up in a horrific barbed wire match, <laughs> which is crazy because that's still coming up. Um, what did you think from this week? I, I I thought it was interesting. I thought it was frustrating at points. Um, Rick yep. Rude leaves me absolutely cold. Um, Terry Funk is a little bit of a what the fuck kind of moment at the moment. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was a good showing from Tommy Dreamer. I, I, I'm I'm always a, usually a little bit lukewarm on him, but I thought he did very well. 
Um, I like the Ravens TV stuff. I know that's not a surprise to anyone listening. I liked the Ravens TV stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's, I, I thought there was some good stuff on it. Um, I don't understand the BWO turn. Um, I guess they're just teasing. They're trying to tease Stevie thingy, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah. But again, I don't know if that was needed. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was, um, I thought they were pretty good in all. Um, the WCW stuff was just weird. Um, I think your point about how um, laboring some of the, the NWO stuff was is interesting because I think that's a point there with, with, we've got a little bit of, um, you know, roasted glasses when we look back. Um, they're, all, they're almost so cool they became lazy. Yeah, and they're, they're overexposed. Their presence was enough, is what it sort of felt like. Yeah, but you don't need them Which book. three, four times a show. No. I mean, they, they had about three 15-minute segments in a 90-minute show. Yeah. So, so um, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I thought it was right. What about you? Um, yeah, same. Nitro, again, had some good moments, but it was a little bit like, okay... Um, ECW, like I said, the funk thing, I've had my problems with it. The, the Raven thing, I, I kind of wish that I didn't know what we knew so I could just live it and enjoy it, but I can't lie. Do you know I mean? Like, we know he's leaving. Yeah. So it's hard to just pretend that he's not same with Steve and the others. But um, it's interesting how they're using it all. It's going to be interesting to see how they write him off. Um, Taz continues to grow. I feel like they've got Taz in a fantastic position where he's just simmering, simmering, simmering. And they're so lucky that all this is going on and it's kind of simmering. And I'm guessing that Paulie's got the opportunity to turn around and say, Taz, fucking kill. We need you. Mm. Same with Shane Douglas. Shane Douglas is simmering there, making the TV title look amazing. But whenever they want, he can say, drop the TV title, pick up the world fucking title, and let's do this. We need you. So they've, they've got a nice simmering. Sandman's always there. So they've sort of got enough going on. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. It can be some very interesting weeks. And I think in the... Sorry, yeah, I was just, I was just going to agree. I, I was just you know having looked at a little bit of what's going through. I um yeah definitely. Yeah, I think in next week um, we were talking obviously off air because it is the end of Raven and this ECW run. I think we're gonna obviously watch the last two episodes of Raven, but maybe focus on a little bit of Raven in ECW and then. Timing wise, maybe Raven in WCW jump forward a bit. Yep. Yep. I just have a very much sort of Raven y <clears throat> check out a few segments and all this and sort of check his in, go over there and have a very Raven heavy show. And dear beautiful listener, you get no prizes for guessing who suggested all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Paul or the, the, the Raven Mark? <laughs> 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 so true <laughs> but it was, it's a good idea though so you know I can't knock you for it it's not quite out there of my you know fake sting show but <laughs> we'll get <laughs> I'm sure one day that will suddenly appear just on a random Tuesday <laughs> and you'll be like oh he's done it old world order Oh, um, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Of course, many of you have, but many of you can, if you haven't, get involved on social media at underscore Sports Arena or Instagram or Twitter. We are posting daily. Um, so get involved with the ECW chatter. You'll see pictures, past, present, relevant. <clears throat> also, ECW things in the future, sort of like your MLWs or your Steve Carino's versus Kevin Steens. Yep. 
sort of similar things that we throw in the same sort of bracket. And also an interesting bits, if you look at some of the Instagram stories we've got up there, you've got like a lot of WCW in um, in ECW and WCW that you might not know. Of. So there's a few little clips. Yeah. Also, they were in ECW. People that you might not know turned up over time. There's loads of stuff going on. No reason not to get involved. Also, like, subscribe, share, and get people involved. Watched on the network. Why not? Absolutely. Oh, if only that made sense, thank you. <laughs> and if it didn't, come back next week and I'll try and explain it all again. That's fair trade. Well, sounds, sounds like a good deal. We'll be here. Why won't you? <laughs> so true. Raven special. Spread the word. Yes. <laughs>